the funny part is we were looking for names for a different day of the week, yet we're still rolling with casual Friday. So I guess we oh, because I mean that was the default, and we didn't have a new name, so we just kept with the old. Yeah, you can't get rid of the you can't get rid of the old thing until you replace it with a new thing, right? Right. You're listening to Financial Insights, a podcast that helps investors through the difficult maze of financial planning and saving for retirement. I'm Brian Ullman, and I'm a financial advisor and certified financial planner at Ford Financial Group. And together with some guests and other advisors at my firm, we're talking about the issues and questions relating to finance that face our clients every day. All right, welcome back to our our Casual Friday webcast, which is actually our Casual Friday video. I guess we're not going live, so it's not a webcast any longer. Uh, but uh, we are also uh, chopping the audio off of this and posting it on our Financial Insights podcast. Uh, my name is Brian Olman. I'm a financial advisor and certified financial planner at Ford Financial Group, and I'm joined again, just like last week, with Ryan by Ryan Louie who is also a financial advisor and certified financial planner here at Ford Financial Group. Uh, Ryan, two in a row, right? It, what yeah, do they we're say? Trying, to, trying to make it's this safe. thing, keep the momentum going. That's important. Right. Um, it's, like, it's like working out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> they say uh, uh, it only takes two years to make a family tradition. So it only <laughs> takes two two episodes to make it a, a podcast or, or a webcast or whatever let's, it is. Let's hope. Yeah, well, um, and, you know, it's been interesting just to, you know, we can kind of start with a, a quick market update. But as we do this, I, I would encourage you. It was interesting. I think for the first time in a very long time, I reminded everybody last week to if you're listening on the podcast or you happen to be listening to this, whether it's through the feed on our website or you're watching this on YouTube um, to subscribe, subscribe to the podcast, Financial Insights Podcast. You can find it by just by looking on. Uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of them, really. Um, and then also subscribing on YouTube uh, because we we post these on YouTube in addition to other videos and webinars that we've done in the past. And so there's kind of, as time has gone on, we've got this growing resource of um, kind of content on, on YouTube that, that lives there, really. So um, I'll start with that. But since last week, not, not a whole lot of action in markets. It's right. been quiet, which is nice, nice from our point of view, I'm sure, from clients' point of view, too. The less they hear about the markets in the news probably means the better. Usually, usually the market's going down, then it hits the, the news wire and people start to hear more about our, our world, which is usually not a good thing. Yeah, right. Well, um, earn, I would, the end of last week was okay. The last couple of days have been pretty lousy, um, and and that's, that's a real a function of kind of question we're in earnings season right so we're getting earnings that are um kind of have have people a little bit twitchy even though we've gotten some good earnings numbers here uh today as we record this on the 26th um so trying to kind of digest what the fallout is from higher rates and possible economic slowdown um but nothing really earth shattering no i'd say even you know even the down days that we've had have been you know relatively minor we're not having down days of one two you know, percent generally. And so it's been it's yeah. quiet down days. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice when the down days aren't as, aren't as bad. And when volatility or the VIX is starting to kind of ease a little bit. And there's also, you know, there's always going to be some crises du jour. So whether it's, I won't say the name specifically, but you know, more regional bank worries 
uh, yes. going on right now that can kind of weigh on things generally. Um, so we're, we're trying, we're adding a little bit of structure. We always do some charts on this. Um, doesn't always translate perfectly to the podcast. So we can kind of talk through the charts as we do it. Um, but we are going to start with a Q and a, uh, so if you have questions that you would like to have us answer perhaps on this or on the podcast or both, uh, you can email your financial planning questions to info at fordfg.com. And when we get those, uh, you know, if, if, I will say it rather, we don't want to, we can't really answer obscure or questions specific to um, your investment portfolio or something like that. That would be a better one on one conversation. But more broadly, if there are questions about kind of financial planning or kind of markets generally, those are something that this is a great place for us to answer because if you have that question, there's a pretty good chance that the question is out there um, among others. So, um, Ryan. I think we're, we're starting with our a social security question this week, uh, which is uh, someone wanting to know how much do your social security benefits grow if you wait to collect social security? So uh, generally the rule of thumb for social security, and we have clients that want to wait because, you know, they want to, they don't need the money now, or they, they know that it's a guaranteed growth of social security benefits. And the general rule of thumb to calculate things is for every year that you wait after your full retirement age. Now, again, full retirement age is different for everyone. Um, I know, you know, definitely clients that don't pay attention a lot to the social security still think it's, you know, 65 is the full retirement age, but obviously it's been modified based upon the year in which you you were born. Um, But it it goes up by 8% a year for every year that you wait up until age 70. Right. And so, so the answer is 8% a year, but that is uh, um, 8% of your full social security benefit. So it's not a compounding 8% return. And that's an important distinction as well. This is a, is a simple interest, still great. 8%, especially a few years ago when 8% of interest on anything was absolutely unheard of. Um, was unbelievable. Now you can get pretty good rates of return that are ris- relatively risk-free closer to that now, but 8% um, starting at your full retirement age uh, is pretty good. You know, the, the speaking of rules of thumb that, you know, the rule of thumb on social security is you're healthy and wealthy you wait. Um, you know, wealthy is kind of an uh, subjective term, but if, if you don't need it, waiting to take it is absolutely in your best interest, especially if you're relatively healthy, right? Yeah. Healthy is definitely one of those point of views I I go over with clients because it's hard to really say, you know, I think a lot of people know that if you wait and take social security, there's this break even point kind of far out into the future in terms of where you finally make up the difference. And then you start to get, you start to actually come out ahead. Um, you know, Part of it comes down to looking at your, you know, clients have to kind of look at their parents and say, you know, my mom lived this long, my dad lived this long. Sure. And, you know, I've had, I've had clients that, you know, have had the, a bout with cancer in which we kind of have a frank discussion and say, you know, maybe it makes more sense to just take the social security now than, than deferring it out into the future because yeah. to defer it means you just have to live so much lower, longer to, to break even. And, you know, just, just due to their health concerns, that doesn't sure. always make sense. Yeah. I, I would say at this, uh, it, it's a little bit different for everybody, obviously. 
One of the things that we do here at Ford Financial Group for our clients, though, is a social security analysis. Uh, so if you or you and your spouse have your social security statements and your clients of ours, we can run an analysis for you that will generate a report to show all, sif- all different kind of projected uh, hypothetical results of doing X, Y, or Z. So collecting early, collecting later. In the social security analysis, you can collect between two people. One can collect a little bit earlier and one can collect later. And the, the sometimes there is no negative impact on your lifetime benefits. So it's an, I think it's a really useful tool to have a, an easy social security re- report run by one of your advisors here. Um, to take a look to see exactly how these 8% um, uh, adjustments grow your your benefit on top of the cost of living adjustments. Yeah, I think it's just good to see a, a quick layout of what the different options are. You can see dollar amounts, uh, you know, total dollar amount. You know, we obviously, you have the yearly dollar amounts that you're going to get the raise for if you wait, but then you're going to see the total amount that you're going to get over the lifetime. And it just helps to make it, I think, a better decision looking at all yeah. of these numbers and seeing what's right for the person. Again, well, you even Ryan, you even get into survivor benefits, right? right? Where if you have one person waiting to collect and their benefits quite a bit bigger than their spouse, um, if the one with the higher benefit dies, the one with the lower benefit then can take over their spouse's higher benefit. Yep. And so you have that bigger benefit for the surviving spouse for life. It's, I think it's important to get a social security analysis done. Just because uh, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of variables. We're not, we can't go over all the variables. No, 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 no. Really well, to, yeah. To get back to the original question, 8% is the number that you will, your benefits will grow when you wait past your full retirement age, whatever that happens to be for you. But clearly, yeah, more, more nuanced here. Right. Um, let's, let's keep rolling and going, go to the charts. We, we're we're going to do one chart each today. Uh, Ryan, let's start with yours. Um, and it looks like we're looking at consumer saving and borrowing here. Um, it looks like on the left, we're looking at the personal savings rate. Why don't you, why don't you break this down for us? Yeah. And so, maybe even talk it all the way through for someone who's just, yeah. So the, the chart really is just kind of going back over, let's call it the last, you know, 60 years of personal savings rates. And so, um, basically the percentage that, uh, people are saving of their disposable income annually. And so, I will say starting in, let's say the mid seventies to about 2005, it was a downward trend of, we were spending a lot more year after year and or, or we, weren't spe- we were spending more saving less um, for, for, for decades um, around the time of, you know, 2005 around a little bit before the financial crisis, things kind of started to trend to where people were saving more. The reason why I brought I thought this chart was worth going over is because I do hear clients um, ask me, and I think they're hearing this through the financial news, is that people are putting a lot more money on their credit cards right now, um, which is kind of saying, if, if you're putting more on your credit card, you're probably not being able to save as much. Um, and I, I will say, we, we saw a spike, obviously, in COVID. People were saving lots of money um, because, well, we were locked up in our houses, weren't able to go out to restaurants, vacations, and spend the, the, the way we normally would. And so it, that spiked up um, for, for a short period of time. But then I think conversely, when we were able to leave, we had people start to spend in excess of what they had been the previous years, almost making up for lost time, if you want to think about it that way. And so you know, savings rates are really low right now. 
Um, and I do think that people probably are putting some money more on credit card as we're starting to see more revolving consumer uh, outstanding credit. Yeah, well, um, I think even in, if you look in the top right corner, you'll see that the revolving consumer credit balances outstanding are at record levels. So we don't even need to guess that consumer revolving credit is high. It's higher. And you look at the big chart here, which shows that the year to date uh, savings rate in 2023 is almost exactly half of the average since 1960. And you can see that revolving consumer credit in the top right chart is at its record high. Um, Savings is going down and credit cards are going up. I've said over and over, you know, you get these people saying, oh, well, inflation's bad, but the consumer's resilient. Yeah, because they're throwing things on credit card, they're spending down their savings. This can't go forever. Right. Uh, And this is where you start to hit a breaking point. I kind of think, and there's no, there's no evidence to this, but you know, I, I think what kind of happened through COVID was people came out and started to kind of, again, make up for lost times. They took trips, but they took bigger trips. They went out to eat more often. Yep. We were spending all this money and, and we know, you know, as a, as an average American consumer, we're, we're very good at spending money. Um, the problem is, is that, you know, eventually we ran out of, you know, we, the, the general, we ran out of money from from stimulus money, et cetera. And, but we continue to have that same spending habits because those are hard to break. When you start to spend money for a year or two sure. at a higher level, it's hard to pull back when you have less of the money in your bank account. You go and try to figure out other ways to keep up your lifestyle. And unfortunately, that's usually through consumer credit. Yeah. Well, it, it is. The, if there's a bright spot on this chart that you've chosen today, it's that on the bottom right, it shows revolving consumer credit outstanding as a percentage of disposable income. And that's really low. Uh, in fact, it's as low as it's been in the last 20 something years. Uh, uh, but accepting COVID where everybody was really flush with uh, stimulus checks and so on. Um, it, uh, it's a 6.2% of outstanding credit as a percentage of disposable income. That means everybody still kind of seems to be spending within their means. Um, It's just they're spending within their means and then also digging into, it it kind of runs counter to the other two charts, but I guess that's the story of everything right now is we have conflicting evidence all over the place of what's going on as we go forward. Um, Well, let's take, let's take a look at the other chart uh, that I rolled in here. Uh, My chart this week is, is, um, more has to do with investing as opposed to personal finance, which was the last one. Uh, this chart here, and this is one that was uh, cranked out by BlackRock uh, as of the end of March, so the end of the first quarter. This is uh, shows the correlation of bond and equity returns. So, just as a quick primer here, if it's correlated, if it's po- if you have a positive correlation for something, that means it acts together, right? And so, if one goes up, the other goes up. If it's negatively correlated. When one goes up, the other goes down. And we think of stocks and bonds. Many people think of stocks and bonds as negatively correlated. Or when you're diversified, you think you're, that you're, you, what you're trying to achieve is negative correlation, right? Different parts of your portfolio going in different directions at the same time. Right. I think I know many clients will often say these in meetings, especially when markets are volatile. They say, oh, I know that the when, you know when the market goes down, bonds, bonds go, go up, right? And that's that's the... That's kind of the mindset that people have and the understanding of people with the, what would be negatively correlated to each other. 
Yeah, well, and that, and you can see here, if you're looking on the far right of the chart, that's been largely true over the last eh, 20 years or so, where bonds have spent a long time negatively correlated. Even if if you see down in uh, like 2010, 11, 12, um, bonds were negatively correlated to the tune of about 80% negative correlation. So almost, you know, one to one, 100% negative correlation would be, if something goes up 1%, the other thing goes down 1%. That's a perfectly negative correlation. So it's it's never going to be perfectly like that, but it's very negatively correlated. Um, whereas like last year, for example, bonds and stocks were positively correlated, which means last year diversification didn't help you a whole lot. If you had bonds instead of stock or a mixture of bonds and stocks, you were getting beaten up on both sides of your portfolio. And it always it always begins these conversations or diversified portfolios dead. No is, is certainly my take. I, I imagine you agree, Ryan, but they don't yeah. always work perfectly as, as evidenced by this chart here. Yeah. We saw it during COVID too. And I think that um, the COVID crash, and I think you'll see it during like really high levels of market volatility. And when I say really volatility, I mean market going down pretty significantly and fast you're going to see bonds and stocks correlate uh, uh, more often during those times because yep. people are just running for cash. They yep. don't want they don't want any kind of investment and therefore everything's going to go down. Now, again, those times are probably shorter lived when things are going down fast and furious. If you're talking about a market that goes down over a year or two, um, oftentimes we will see that the bonds will do a much better job and not correlate as high. Um, but, you know, on, on a given week or two or three, when things are really, really bad, people are just looking for cash. And so they're going to they're going to you're going to see bonds and stocks go down at the same time. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, it's it's never going to be. I, I think it, I do find it interesting, though, that the correlation was much higher in the 70s and 80s and even in the first half of the 90s. And so once you get past about 95 or 96, the correlation drops off and goes negative between stocks and bonds. So I would say just over the last 20 years, the diversification that you get from owning stocks and bonds together in a portfolio is much better than it was before the tech rack, for example, um, or right around then. So uh, I thought it was interesting. You know, when we talk about diversification, diversification and correlation, this kind of gives a better, a better sense. If you average it since the seventies, there's an average of negative 6% correlation, which suggests if something is, has zero correlation, as you might expect. One goes up and down, and the other one doesn't. But of course, there's lies, damned lies, and statistics, and that statistic doesn't actually tell you the story, the historic yeah. correlation, right? Because it's it's kind of dependent a little bit of what's going on outside of all of that. Okay, um, so those are our two charts, and for the sake of time, uh, we're going to stick to that. I know we roll through some more charts sometimes, but because we're doing these more often, it gives us a chance to cut these short. A little bit shorter, uh, and and we can pick up the the conversation in the next one of these. Um, so we're going to wrap up with talking about what you're reading, watching, or listening to. Uh, Ryan doesn't need to be finance, doesn't need to be investing, although it can be, of course. Uh, what's what's on the docket? What's on docket for me is I don't watch a ton of TV, so I don't have a bunch of Netflix shows to list list off. But I am now involved into the NBA playoffs. Um, uh, I, I I can probably say I'm a sports fan, but I don't think I watched more than a half an hour of basketball, NBA basketball, like the entire season. 
But now that the playoffs are there and now that the Lakers are playing, um, I will, I'll, I'll turn around and watch a game and, you know, a game like last night too, um, where things are tight and I, you know, you could go on the internet and you just check the scores and you know, you see that game's tight at the end. I'll, I'll, I'll turn it on for the last, you know, 10, 10, 15 minutes to, to tune in. But so yeah. that, that is consuming more of my time than usual. That's good. Well, I, um, I have not been watching the NBA playoffs. You know, I hear about it and read about it. I've watched more tennis in the last two weeks than I have basketball in the entire year of 2023. <laughs> I watched uh, Alcaraz dispatch Tsitsipas with some devastating drop shots. were so filthy. I immediately went out on the tennis court and tried doing them myself, myself uh, to very little effect. Uh, but the thing that I've actually been watching is a show called Rabbit Hole on Paramount plus it's like, it's a Kiefer Sutherland kind of who done it. It's one of those shows where you don't know who's good or who bad, who's bad. And then every episode, like someone you thought was good, turns out to be bad. And someone's bad, turns out to be good. It's great. Uh, I don't know how many people have Paramount plus, but if you've got it, or if you get it through your cell phone subscription or some add on, I think it's worth, I think it's worth your time to, to check it out and watch. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool show. All right. Well, let's leave it there, Ryan, until the next one. I think our, our, our schedule, even though we've done two weeks in a row, is going to be every other week. All right. So we'll, you can expect to see these or hear these twice a month. Um, and so we'll do another one in a couple of weeks from now. So until then, Ryan. Thank have you. A good one. The advisors with Ford Financial Group are registered representatives with and securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advice is offered through Perennial Investment Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Ford Financial Group and Perennial Investment Advisors are separate entities from LPL. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Stock investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. The economic forecasts set forth in this podcast may not develop as predicted. Ford Financial Group, Perennial Investment Advisors, and LPL Financial do not provide tax or legal advice or services. This information is not intended as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any security referred to herein.